Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. is going on everybody and welcome to episode number 351 of the battery power podcast take two on this fine sunday afternoon we're gonna get a little bit into what just happened regarding our recording schedule and what we were trying to accomplish this past this weekend but before i do that i want to make sure that i introduce my co-host one scott coleman and you'll notice that our normal main host is not here this week brad roland is out at vegas i assume that he's you know out in vegas you know going wild and he may or may not return we don't know but for right now the inmates are running the assignment asylum so my name is eric cole scott coleman as often whenever brad is out of town is going to be my co-host scott how are you my friend eric it's very good to be on with you again some uh some tef- technical difficulties we were hoping to do a semi-emergency pod on saturday after the michael harris promotion and turn that into our weekly uh flagship show but what can you do we are here sunday afternoon the braves had a, a nice win today over the marlins and uh certainly a lot of things to talk about a lot of news yeah and i do want to reference that really quick i don't think i've ever been madder at a piece of technology than i was yesterday it was a really good show uh scott and i we talked we went through all the topics of the day we were wanting to make sure we get a show out there to talk about the the big news obviously this weekend was that michael harris has been promoted to the atlanta braves and you know has played two games now and we wanted to make sure we were going to at least try to get a show to you guys to talk about that promotion and how big of a deal it was and we wanted to get that show to you yesterday we recorded like an hour-long show it was great and i went to listen to the audio and you could not hear me at all now for some listeners that is ideal however for long stretches where you can't hear anything and you have to wait for the dulcet tones of scott coleman to raise your ears probably not the best listening experience unless i just edited myself out completely again maybe not the worst suggestion in the world but unfortunately just the audio was just not usable I'm not 100% certain as to why that happened, but it seems like it was just kind of an issue between using Skype and interfacing with my microphone. It just wasn't wanting to do so, but we believe we have that resolved. I apologize in advance if there are technical difficulties later on. I'm afraid that I'm jinxing myself, but we're back at it on this fine Sunday afternoon, our normal recording time. Fortunately, recording a little bit early turned to worked out well for us on a couple fronts, actually. So we're going to kind of get right into it here, Scott. The big news of the weekend was that Michael Harris, the Braves' top prospect, top at minimum top 60 prospect in all of baseball, was promoted directly from AA Mississippi to the Atlanta Braves. He's been playing center field the last couple of days. There's a lot to be excited about here, and frankly, it caught all of us flat-footed on Saturday morning. No one assumed this move was going to be coming this soon. 
there's certainly good reasons for it. Don't get me wrong, especially if you've been watching what the Atlanta Braves outfield's been doing over the last couple months. But really exciting to kind of see this kid make such a huge jump. When the news broke, what was kind of your initial reaction, and what are you kind of expecting from him going forward? Yeah, it was it was certainly a surprise, and it's very aggressive, and I think it's not without merit. Clearly, the Braves are very high on Michael Harris. He is somebody who really turned some heads in really the last two spring trainings in 2021 and 2022. He stuck around with the big league camp for quite some time this past spring. Um, And then the numbers in in AA Mississippi for being 21 years old speak for themselves. He was hitting above 300. He was doing a nice job getting on base. He was hitting for power. He has speed, which we have already seen. Uh, So as, as Alex Anthopoulos in the front office will tell you, once you get to be uh, to double A and on the 40 man roster, you are in the mix. And I think in a perfect world, the Braves would have been able to give Harris another couple of months in the minors. He's somebody who had less than 200 games professionally since being drafted in the third round of 2019's draft. Uh, but as we know, things have to be adjusted. You lose Eddie Rosario for a couple of months. Adam Duvall has really struggled. Of course, they're, they're not, uh, letting Ronald Acuna Jr. play every single day, which I think is smart long term. And we know about the defensive limitations of someone like Marcelo Zuna. So uh, I don't think anybody had Michael Harris debuting before Memorial Day, but sometimes circumstances call for it. And it's certainly an exciting promotion for the team. Yeah, obviously, if anyone's been following the site and the Road to Atlanta podcast, which is on the same feed, by the way, make sure you check out that podcast if you're into the minor leagues. But it's no surprise that I'm a huge fan of Michael Harris, and I've been one for quite some time. It's kind of wild to me that, you know, this is a kid that was a two-way player in high school, gets drafted in 2019. That same draft year, he was promoted to full-season ball in low-A Rome, which you never see happen with a high school player. It never happens. Going straight to low-A, they usually stick around in rookie ball before the contraction happened, but he did get a cup of coffee there in Rome. Then, obviously, 2020 got canceled out, and he was at the alternate site, turned a lot of heads there. The the thing that to love about Harris is just how well-routed he is. You know, we throw around the, the term five-tool player, and when a lot of people hear five-tool player, that, like, means, oh, wow, he could be Mike Trout. He could be Ronald Acuna Jr. And the, the short answer is kind of, but not really. Like, this isn't a guy who has A's across the board where it's, you know, he's going to hit 50 home runs, steal 50 bases, you know, it's going to win a platinum glove, it's going to can do literally any on, anything on the field better than anyone else. That is not what I would characterize Michael Harris. He's a very good defender out in center field. He's good, he, and he showed that on Sunday, by the way. We're going to talk about that, at least one of those catches on this podcast. But he's a very good defender out there, has a minor league gold glove, has a strong arm, always looking for outs. He takes great routes. He can run, has a, had 11 stolen bases this year down in Mississippi, has a lot of raw power, particularly to his pull side. The thing about him, though, is that he doesn't always play to that raw power because he's very, very, he's perfectly content to hit the ball the other way and just get singles and doubles that way. He's, he does not feel like he has to turn on every pitch that possible and try to pull it. He, he Shifting against him is just not the best idea. He's this guy who will poke the ball the other way, and that is a great thing to see from a young guy already. He's not trying to... You know, he's not trying to fill up his stat sheet with home runs. He's just trying to get on base, make things happen. He takes extra bases. It's just, he's such a well-rounded player. And for a team that can be very, you know, power centric and if the home runs aren't getting, aren't getting hit, then sometimes the offense can get a little dicey because they don't have a lot happening on the bases. 
especially if Ronnie's not out of the game or if he's just, you know, having a tough game, you know, having another guy like Harris who can get on base and is a very good hitter just overall, just being able to like get things going and to kind of get an offense moving when at times it can be very bursty is really nice to see. And, you know, again, huge fan of his. I didn't think this promotion was going to happen, but I will say, and I mentioned this the first time we recorded, is that when I've been asked previously what are the chances that Harris was going to get promoted to the big leagues this season, I said that the difference between AA and AAA is so negligible that if he stays, if he never sees AAA, that does not alter the odds of him making it to the big leagues. I think that that gap between AA and AAA has never been smaller. However, that gap between the minor leagues and the major leagues overall, I think has never been bigger. Just the, the pitcher stuff is just so much better with the, the technology's gotten so much better. How to get maximum spin rates. The velocity's just insane and what guys are doing with that velocity. We saw what Sandy Alcantara was doing throwing 92 mile an hour changeups and hitting 99 miles an hour in the eighth inning. It's just, he, he was absurd. And like, and he is not like the prime candidate for that. Like the, another guy is Jacob deGrom or something like that, right? Like that gap between what they, these guys see in double A AA and triple A versus what they're going to see in the big leagues. It's yeah. never been wider. So I just I just never was super confident that promoting him to the big leagues was going to happen, especially when you consider that Drew Waters is already on the 40-man roster. Now, Drew has had some nagging issues, and he actually had a decent day at the play in Gwinnett today. He still had to miss games here and there as he's kind of working his way back from a hamstring injury. Those things just never – it never lined up to me as like a particularly likely thing to happen early in the season, but it, make, it sure does make a lot of sense, Scott, in terms of what this – roster looks like and what they needed from a promotion and from and from another outfielder and it gives them a lot of flexibility to solve a lot of problems it does and i think whenever you call up a young player a talented young player you want to put them in a position to be successful and i think michael harris is going to come into this this situation with this team that's going to be really beneficial he's not needing to come in and be a superstar and and hey if he's a superstar right out of the gate great we'll take it but he's going to come in. He batted ninth in his first two games, and I would imagine he will continue to hit in the bottom half of the order. And frankly, I like him there. You you talked about he has some power, but he's somebody who is perfectly content being an on-base guy, a high batting average guy. The Braves really do need that. They they have plenty of power in this lineup. They are fifth. They're tied for fifth across the league in home runs. They're top five in slugging. Um the, the Braves really need just some guys to get on base, especially in the bottom half of the lineup, so that when it turns over to a Ronald Acuna, to a red-hot Dansby Swanson, to a red-hot Austin Riley, Marcelo Zuna, Matt Olson, you you need runners on base ahead of those guys. It's only going to help things down the, down the road. Um, and then you mentioned the flexibility. I think it's just it's huge. Clearly, this team did not have a center fielder, an everyday center fielder on the roster. We talked about this going into the season, that it was a very real concern. I know Adam Duvall did fine there in like September and October of last year, but it's something to be said for asking a guy who has never played center field every day in his career at age 33 or 34 like Duvall is. That's a big-time ask. And then needing him to provide power and be a hitter as well in the middle of your order it allows Duvall to move to a corner, which is, I think, where he's more comfortable. You have that flexibility. If you want to continue to give Ronald opportunities to DH fairly regularly, uh, you can do that much easier with Harris. And frankly, if he's playing good defense in center field, this team does not need him to have like a 900 OPS. 
if he just does his job, play good defense, get on base, I think that's all you can ask for him. And hopefully he's able to settle in and, and be in a good spot to be successful. Yeah, and it's particularly helpful that he hits from the left side, right? Because, you know, we, we kind of laugh a lot about, like, lineup construction. And there's certainly been years where we have done our fair share of yelling uh, at Snicker for his lineup construction at times. But it does certainly help, especially with having relievers having to stay in the game for longer these days, that to be able to break up lefties and righties in ways that actually keeps teams honest. Like, for example, Ozzie Albies from the left side is not going to keep a team honest with a right-handed reliever because Ozzie, especially when he's in a downswing, isn't as much of a threat from that side, right? Uh, now, Matt Olson is a very legitimate left-handed bat, obviously, but one of the reasons the Braves got a left-handed bat this off, past offseason in Eddie Rosario was to kind of break up the lineup a little bit, and a guy who can put the ball in play from the left-hand side was really, really valuable. Now, obviously, Eddie is dealing with an injury, and we'll talk a little bit about you know their his recovery a little bit later on in the podcast, but having a guy like Michael Harris from the left side for a lot of situations when relievers are coming in, at the, the very least gives the other team pause or makes it more difficult to bring in a righty reliever to deal with the top of the order because Matt Olson's not hitting up there anymore. And Matt Olson honestly wasn't kind of keeping them honest for a while anyway because he had that dip in his production. He's been a little bit better lately, had a good day on Sunday. But the point being is that if you have Ronnie and Dansby and Austin coming up, but you first have to deal with Michael Harris or Michael Harris is the second hitter right in front of Ronnie, it's not as easy to just put in your best right-handed reliever and then, you know, just plan on getting those first two guys out and then giving yourself your best chance to deal with Ronnie because Michael Harris from the left side is no joke. He has real power and he can cause some damage himself. And that breaking up that lineup in that way is really helpful. So again, it, and it helps with, it's just, there's a lot of moving parts with the Braves outfield situation. And it's nice just having a guy where like, look, we can put this, bat this guy ninth. He's a great center fielder. And then the other moving parts of is Ronnie going to be DHing or in the field or which yeah. corner is he playing in? Uh, are we doing, are we playing a, a platoon matchup with Duvall? Are we putting Ozuna out there in the outfield? All those reasons, like all those other situations are made easier when you don't have the oh by the way we have this black hole in center field and the only guy that we can put in there in Duvall and he's hitting 180 right yeah yeah it's tough and I hope this helps Adam Duvall uh clearly I mean he just looks exhausted to me um he it's worth noting he of course has type 1 diabetes which is uh you know I'm sure it takes its toll on him over a long six plus month season um, and, and then you look at the other outfielders on the roster, it gives Duvall that opportunity to go in the corner and sit on occasion. Um, as much as I love Guillermo Heredia, he, he's just not somebody you want out there. He, he appeared in a couple of games defensively this week, and I, I believe he misplayed two of the, the opportunities he had. Both were tough plays, but both of them dropped. He's just not good enough defensively where you feel good about Guillermo out there. Uh, Orlando Arcia has played left field a little bit. Uh, Bill Contreras got a start out there earlier in the week and did not look very comfortable. Wild Bill. Yeah, and nor should he. I mean, he's he's been a catcher his whole career, I believe, maybe his whole life. And just to to put him out in left field out of an emergency situation is, is not fair to him. Uh, so, yeah, it's amazing what adding a good defensive center fielder can do, especially once you get Ronald uh, able to play out there every single day and then you put Duvall in the other corner you have suddenly gone from maybe the worst outfield defensively that they saw in April and May to one of the very best. And that, that is huge for the pitching staff. 
Uh, one of the areas the Braves have really fallen off during these first two months is defensively, uh, especially when you compare it to how good they were in 2018 through 2021. Hopefully Harris's arrival will allow everybody to settle in. And, and again, man, you don't need him to be a star. You just, you want the defense. You want him to get on base. He should be in a good situation at the bottom half of the order. Uh, and it's exciting. It's as big of a promotion for a prospect of the, as the Braves have had maybe since Austin Riley. And we saw during the rebuild just all of this young talent making its way to Atlanta. It was so much fun going back to Dansby and Ozzy during the rebuild. And then, of course, Acuna and Freed and Soroka. You go down the list. And uh, let's hope Michael is able to stick. And, and he certainly has the look and feel of a guy who's going to be part of this organization for a long time. I couldn't agree more. Now, speaking of areas of the roster that have been needing a retool for quite some time, Scott, and on a topic that we spent a full probably 10, 15 minutes on when we first recorded yesterday, and in some respects, I'm glad that we didn't post that because we kind of put the full reverse jinx into play, but without actually putting the content out in the field onto the feed, is that the fifth starter spot's been a real problem for the Braves. Uh, Tucker Davidson make a pair of starts this past week. He pitched well yesterday didn't not not well enough to actually get the win and that was a tough game against Sandy Alcantara but got absolutely drilled against the Phillies the 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 options that they've had at fifth starter have just not been able to stick for a variety of different reasons some guys just weren't quite ready some guys just aren't good enough and overall just it's been a rough time for the Braves especially considering what we thought was going to be an area of depth was the rotation and we have shouted for a long time Scott about just give Spencer Strider a chance at the job because if you're going to keep him in the bullpen because you need the bullpen depth and you need that kind of high upside relief, relief arm in the bullpen, but then you're also going to put him like on a similar schedule of a starter where you're basically going to only let him throw three innings every two weeks over, over a two-week period, that is not going to get it done. You're wasting one of your best arms in your organization doing it that way. And it seems like finally – they're going to give it a shot. Now, who knows how long he stays in it, but it was announced that Spencer Strider will be starting Monday against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Scott, did we speak this into existence? Because I kind of feel like we did. Yeah, that lost audio file that will never see the light of day, it was pretty good. I mean, Eric and I were frustrated. Of course, Saturday, Tucker Davidson did not pitch poorly, though he did not pitch very well either against a pretty bad Marlins lineup. But it, it just felt like it was time. And one of the real frustrations is the Braves have just not been able to find a good fifth starter. And it wasn't for a lack of candidates. I mean, you go down that list, Enoa, Muller, Elder, Davidson, Toussaint. I mean, even Jesse Chavez made a start there. I think it was just time that as they continue to cycle through, uh, it was to a point where it's like, okay, who else do we really need to see here before we give Spencer a chance to, to shine here? I know that I'm sure Brian Snitker likes to have him as a bullpen weapon, and I wish we had multiple Spencer Striders just because of how good he has been. Uh, but his value is just so much higher. If he can be a big league starter, again, no one's expecting him necessarily to go out there and throw 100 pitches tomorrow night in, a, in Arizona. He doesn't necessarily need to throw seven or eight innings, though if he wants to, it would be a very happy surprise. Uh, but I would much rather give him the ball in the first inning and hopefully have him work through the fifth or the sixth rather than what they've been doing of this one or two innings every four days out of the bullpen. That just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think that the issues with the bullpen are more easily remedied, uh, especially with the, the quote unquote, the Gwinnett shuffle, right? It's harder to find a guy who starts 
and can like and stick because we've seen that be really detrimental to guys. Like a guy comes up and makes a spot start, struggles a little bit, is completely out of his like rhythm for when it, when he pitches normally, and it messes them up for a month and a half. Half even if he makes a spot start and a relief appearance, we saw that happen with a lot of guys with the way the Braves did things. And I think that if you can settle in, the Spencer Strider is like this is the guy. Even if again he throws 75, 80 pitches, right? I don't think that's unreasonable. We've seen him in long relief do that for this team, right? 75, 80 pitches. If you're wanting to kind of lengthening him out and do it that way, that is perfectly reasonable to me. Maybe you put, maybe, I don't know if you can do Jackson Stevens because he pitched today, but you know, there are some guys who can throw multiple innings in that bullpen, like Colin McHugh. That's one of the, that was one of the benefits of having a guy like Colin McHugh in your bullpen is that you can throw a couple innings. Um, if you want to like piggyback him with that and, you know, and work and lengthen him out that way, he's could be really, really, this could be really, really good. And then you have options in Gwinnett. You know, obviously the Braves made the move to option uh, Tucker Davidson down, so it looks like he won't be an option to start a game for a little while uh, just because of the option rules. But, you know, and they bring up Jesus Cruz to bolster the bullpen. Not an arm that I'm, like, crazy excited about, but he's, you know, he's a fresh arm, and that could that could be useful. And then you're bringing up guys like Dylan Lee, who's still hanging around uh, as long as he's not pitching, to the, pitching against the Astros. That seems like a reasonable case to be made, and they still have guys who can pitch in this bullpen. I understand where the issue is though. And I understand what was the compulsion was. It's that, you know, you lose Luke Jackson to Tommy John. Mike Tyler Matzik is hurt. Will Smith is not particularly reliable right now, even though Snicker is still pitching him and throwing him out there. Like he's the best pl- the reliever on planet earth. You know, Kenley's been really good. AJ has been really good, but they have some depth problems right now, particularly with right-handed arms and Spencer kind of having him around is, does is a little bit of a safety net in a lot of regards. But I think they have some options that are available to them that can be reasonable until the rest of these guys get healthy again. Not Luke. Luke's out for the season. Plus, they have guys like William Woods. He has a he has a bit of an ankle injury, but it's not going to keep him out for super long. And you know, give him another week, and he'll probably get optioned back up. And that's a that's a high quality uh, relief arm. Then you have guys like Victor Vodnik, Corret Gwinnett right now. He could be really really exciting as a relief option. You have options that could solve this problem long term, and it's not at the expense of arguably your best pitching prospect just languishing in your bullpen kind of like the way Luke you know like Lucas Sims was up and he would get called up and he was in the bullpen and he would just sit there forever only playing two games that didn't matter and he was one of the guys that you were kind of hoping could end up being a real starter for your team and he was just kind of sitting there taking up bench space you don't want to do that to a guy like this you don't and that's what it felt like it could happen it just felt like he was just there because you want to make sure that you have that arm available in case your starter only goes three innings but that's not how you want to treat the guy who's probably the better option anyway. You don't want Spencer Strider in your bullpen because you're worried about the guy whose job he should have not going long enough. Just give him the job. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, yeah. and that seems like what they've done. Uh, and so it kind of, you know, it, it definitely seems to help. I, I'm not saying it'll even work out. It's entirely possible that Spencer is just not capable of going, being a starter. I am a big fan of his. He would deep work deep into games in the minor leagues. He strikes out a ton of guys. He again, there's going to be some, you know, some games where the command may not always be completely there for a guy who throws that hard. That's not like news, but at the same time, this is a better bet to make than what they had been doing. And you yeah. know, especially the way Tucker's been pitching, you know, just like give these other give guys like Bryce Elder some more time to work on their command. You can only give guys like Tucker so many chances. This seemed like a clear move to make, and I'm glad the Braves, the Braves made it. And it's a team that I think he'll, he'll have find some success against because the Diamondbacks are not particularly good. Yeah, I think it's an opportunity for the Braves to just finally solidify the back end of their rotation. And thank goodness that Kyle Wright is having the 
incredible no year that yeah. he is because he was a very tentative fourth starter going into the year, and we know how good he's been. He's been one of the best pitchers in the National League. Um, but to me, if the option is either they continue to piece together the fifth spot in their rotation in which they are two and nine this season whenever a non big four starter is starting again, two and nine when Freed, Morton, Anderson or Wright don't start. I mean, that, that's almost an automatic loss. And in one of those two wins, it was the night they scored 16 runs against the Nationals. So really since then it, it's been, they've lost all but one of their games. That's just not sustainable over a full season. Uh, give me Strider, see what he can do. Uh, even if, again, even if he's not working into the seventh and eighth, uh, I'm happy if he can give the Braves five or six innings on Monday night, that would be huge. Um, I would much rather try to piece together maybe the fifth, sixth, and seventh spots in the bullpen than doing what they've been doing so far with the rotation. Just, it hasn't been working. Yeah, I agree. And again, really going to be excited to see how, how things go. You know, with a guy that has to get stretched out, like how well does his velo hold? We saw him, that game that Jesse Chavez started was a game that Spencer Strider ended up pitching four, maybe five innings in and was holding, you know, mid nineties and above velo through towards the end of that. So, you know, I'm very cautiously optimistic that he's going to be, uh, in a good spot. It seems like he's going to be well rested too. More importantly, he hasn't pitched very much lately. So hopefully he's in a good, in a good situation against the Diamondbacks lineup that is not particularly good. Maybe he can work relatively efficiently and he can lock down that spot. Cause if he can lock down that fifth starter spot, the Braves are going to be in really good shape. Uh, before we go to in some other topics, including kind of the injury bug that has bitten the Braves this year and then looking a little back at the week as well as looking ahead, we're going to take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, Trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. All right, Scott, it is time to talk about the injury bug and the Atlanta Braves. It's not been a very fun 
uh, year, honestly, for what the injury front has given the Braves so far. Uh, obviously, Luke Jackson's out for the year. Now, the good news was is that Ronald Acuna Jr. did come back from injury, uh, that major knee surgery that he had from a really unfortunate knee injury last year, came back sooner than we thought. And the idea was that the Braves were going to be very cautious with him, that they, even when he was coming back, you know, if he needed days off, uh, if he needed to be DHing, if, if he had a little bit of a tweak or something, they were going to yank him right out of there. And that's exactly what they've done, Scott. Uh, he was scratched before Wednesday's game with a grade one quad strain. Uh, again, these soft tissue injuries, uh, like he has, he dealt with a groin injury as well already since he's been back. Like these sorts of like, you know, ligaments and, you know, like these strains and things like that, tightness type issues aren't uncommon for a guy that has been coming back from rehabbing. Uh, just he ha- did not have a normal spring training. He went through a rehab stint that was relatively short and he looked really, really good in. And when he's been on the field for the Braves, he's looked really, really good. He's running fast. He's making plays. He's doing things and he runs around like his hair is on fire, but he has been getting bit a little bit by the, like kind of the, the nagging injuries, the little ones here and there, uh, didn't play a couple games, pinch hit on Friday, came back to as a somewhat of a surprise, uh, and has, and then has been back in the lineup at the very least the last couple days. Are you concerned about where Ronnie is right now health wise? It just seems like that the Braves are just doing exactly what they should be doing in, in terms of just being careful with them, but it's worth noting that he's missed some games lately. Yeah, I think first and foremost, I'm glad that Ronald has spoken up. I'm glad that he is not just trying to play through this and then injure himself even worse. I'm glad the Braves are being very cautious with him. Quite obviously, they need Ronald healthy short-term and long-term. Um, you don't want him to try to play through, a, I don't want to say a meaningless game at the end of May, but there's a lot of baseball ahead of the Braves, hopefully some bigger games and bigger stages and We know just how good he is. I mean, whenever he's been in the lineup this season, it seems like he's making a really big impact, no matter it's in the field, uh, at the plate, running the bases. Um, So am I concerned? Sure, a little bit. I wish Ronald was out there every single day. I wish he was feeling 100%. Uh, Mark Bowman, who is, of course, as close to the team as anybody, uh, kind of opined in one of his articles earlier this week that Ronald's legs might continue to be a little bit of a problem here in the early going. Again, he just, he didn't have a spring training and there's a reason that spring training is almost two months for these guys. It just takes time to get their legs under them, to get fully loose and ready to go. Um, you know, even those things like running outfield sprints and the infield drills, the players do that for weeks on end for a reason. It's to get everything in line. It's such a long year. You're going to get your nicks and your bruises. Um, hopefully as, as Ronald continues to play fairly regularly, he played, he DH'd on Saturday and then played right field on Sunday and looked fine. Hopefully as he continues to play and get everything shakes off the rust, uh, he's able to get out there more and more often. But ultimately, again, it's just a matter of keeping him healthy. And if that means he has to sit out a game or two in, in the end of May, even if we don't love it, it, it is certainly the smart and worthwhile thing to do. Yeah, it's definitely not fun and to not have your best player in the lineup, right? It's just that's just gonna let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. But there were times, Scott, in years past, when Frederick Freeman was very clearly not healthy, and we would be shouting, "Just make him sit, give him a day or two to let whatever inflammation, whether it was that bone spur in his elbow, whether he was you know plunked by a ninety-eight mile an hour pitch on his wrist and was very clearly not right for a long time after." But Freddie was just not having it, and that bled into the less rest of this roster. 
the the famous what was the I'm not sure I think it was in the athletic where you know Dansby was dealing with an injury and he was going to sit out the next day the training staff's like it's probably a good idea for you to sit and the first yep. thing that happens is Freddie Freeman's calling him that morning wanting to know why he won't take the field yeah. now I understand where Freddie's coming from and like I'm, this isn't going to be a bash Freddie podcast because Freddie was a very very good player and having that kind of guy who's just relentlessly you be on the field as much as you can there is value in having that on your roster but at the same time you can't have guys have little injuries turn into nagging injuries that ruin them for six weeks and that is what happens with a lot of these types of, you know, quad injuries, oblique injuries are particularly bad for this. Uh, it's just like, you know, it hurts for a little bit, but it just, it makes you unable to do the things that you normally do. And in such a quick twitch type sport like baseball is on swings, on having to sprint very, like getting up to speed very, very quickly, uh, taking routes in the outfield, turning the bases, you know, coming back to first on pickoff moves and things like that. You want to be healthy. <laughs> And, you know, little little nicks here and there, but no one has ever said that Ronald Cooney Jr. doesn't want to be on the field. In fact, I think that it's likely that it's taken a lot for him to realize that when he's had this in, when he had this major injury, he had to be thoroughly convinced and buy into the Braves plan of, look, if there's anything wrong with you, you have to tell us. Yep. And yep. because he, we've seen Ronnie where he's like, he's been sore, like time, like times where he's been like, at first base, he'd like roll his ankle and like be basically dragging his foot, hopping into the outfield where everyone in that stadium thought that he had just snapped his Achilles and that was the end of the season and he played the next day. And maybe he probably should take a day off after that, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I, I'm glad, I'm glad that he is buying into look, I'm going to communicate with my training staff. I want to, I want to stay on the field for the whole season. I do not want to end another season with this team in the playoffs and me having to watch. And if that means that I need to yeah. say, hey, something doesn't feel quite right, maybe it's a good idea if we take a day or whatever. He's going to do everything he can to get back on the field. It's not like he's he's not he's not sitting there in an ice bath when everyone else is warming up and working out when he's missing games. He's out there just trying to work things out, trying to get things loosened up. And if he's able to get loosened up, he plays. And when he plays, he makes a big difference. And that's the biggest thing is just that trying for the long haul to keep him on the field for as long as possible because it, it is night and day when he's in the, in the lineup. Even on a day where he doesn't have, didn't get a hit today, it just it changes the entire dynamic of a game when he comes to the plate. All of a sudden, like things can change drastically. How he gets pitched to, how they handle runners on the base, how they handle other runners, other batters in the lineup, all changes when he's in there. And if that means that he misses a game or two here and there, but it keeps him healthy throughout the game, I'm all for it. And I couldn't agree with you more. It just seems like I'm glad that both sides seem to be t being careful and understanding that they're in this for the long haul. They want to make sure that he's good to go and getting him worked back up. Yeah, and my final point, too, that I wanted to make is I think we're all seeing the beauty of a designated hitter because absolutely for these minor knee and leg and groin injuries, those are ones that I think are maybe more likely to be injured when you're trying to chase down a ball in, in the outfield. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just, uh, man, it's, it's, it's another added benefit of having the DH in addition to not having to watch pitchers other than Max Freed, who could, who could really swing it other than Max Freed not having yeah. to hit. Yeah. And run. Right. Um, I, I think it's just another included benefit. It protects the players. It allows the Braves to have Ronald Acuna Jr. in their lineup, but not having that added risk of tweaking something else in the field. He did play out there on Sunday. I would guess they might put him at DH again on Monday in Arizona. It's a big outfield, and he is not as familiar with it. But 
we'll see. But ultimately, it's good to have Ronald back. As you said, he is one of the few players on the planet who can truly, like, single-handedly win a baseball game all by himself if he has a big night. Absolutely. And speaking of kind of the impacts of the DH, we're going to be talking a little bit about my adult Canadian son and how this could help his return as well. Because we've had, we got some news on the injury front from two different players. Uh, first, we're going to talk a little bit about Eddie Rosario here. Uh, there was a report from a few days ago that he's progressing. He's doing some light exercising. He's obviously dealing with that retina injury. Uh, it was described as a hole in his retina, which again makes me wonder, like he was not good before he let, was put on the IL and had surgery to, to correct this issue. But that he was actually as good as he was with playing basically with one eye, and it was the one that was closest to the pitcher, blows my mind in a lot of respects. He, like he, he should have been striking out even more than he was. Uh, it certainly explains uh, some of those struggles. I'm not sure if it explains all of them, but it's it sounds like that the timeline for his return is kind of towards the second half of July. We'll see how we'll see how that goes again with eye injuries. It just kind of you basically have to pass the vision test, uh, and you can't and they don't want to do anything exercise wise that would like you know like raise your blood pressure too much and cause any injuries. Uh, any sort of stress on the body can like make that healing process seem to take longer. But overall, I mean, like when Eddie Rosario returns, Scott, and he can actually see baseballs again, this outfield, especially with Michael Harrison in the fold now, starts to get a lot more interesting. Most importantly, because that means there's a strong likelihood that we do not have to see Ozil, Oz, Ozuna putting on a glove anymore, and that makes <laughs> me happy. Yeah. You know, Eric, adding Eddie Rosario in, in July, is it's like making a trade at the trade deadline oh, without having without having to make a trade at the – you like my – I should have done a better uh. chip carry. Um, <laughs> no, it's uh, – <laughs> Let's not. Let's, let's try to avoid uh, as much chip carry on this podcast as humanly possible because – in a fan, uh, I, can't, I can't watch a podcast. I can't watch, <laughs> watch that broadcast, broadcast anymore. I can't. In a fan from Savannah, Georgia, makes the catch. Um, no, I mean with Eddie Rosario, as you said, I mean the guy had a hole in his eye. I mean it, it made it made so much sense when it came out that he was battling that injury. I mean the things like the dropped fly balls in the outfield, the just at bats where they weren't even competitive. I mean I, there were at bats where his bat wasn't even coming within a foot of the ball. Well, yeah, it's because he couldn't see the baseball. It's a hard enough game as it is, let alone when your vision is screwed up. So uh, certainly with, with Michael Harris in the fold and hopefully everybody else can stay healthy, you have the ability to bring Eddie along slowly because of the time he missed and the very few amount of games he played earlier in the year. He's somebody who will need a pretty lengthy rehab stint, I think, especially as he gets comfortable again seeing the ball and it was certainly no minor surgery, and I mean, you're talking about an eye. This is not like he rolled an ankle, and it's just a matter of him putting ice on it every day. Uh, it's a pretty significant one, one that could impact his career long term. So you want to be careful. You want to make sure he's comfortable out there. And, hey, if, if you can get Eddie Rosario back to his normal self in the second half of the year, especially as a left-handed bat, we know how good he can be uh, as a power bat and someone who has a pretty high average as well. Uh, it'll be a big boost for the team, and we'll see if it's a couple of months away, so be it. Ultimately, I'm just happy to know that Eddie is progressing and the surgery was successful. Yeah, absolutely. And again, he'll be well-rested, too. And he was well-rested last year when he joined the Braves, and you know that turned out pretty well. He played pretty well for the Braves down the stretch uh, in, the, in the lineup, and then we saw what he did to the Do- Dodgers, which is uh, arguably the – it was probably the second best performance in that series uh, <laughs> beyond a certain – 
uh, relief pitcher who I have shown him a remarkable amount of love for, and I hope he gets healthy soon. Uh, but speaking of pitchers getting healthy, and you mentioned the DH a little bit, one thing that has made me really happy this week is that we're hearing news that Mike Soroka is throwing bullpens again. Uh, obviously, he's out of the boot, out of that boot. He's going to start facing live hitters down in Florida. Uh, and after they do that, they do that that kind of those kind of fielding drills. See how he does, you know, moving in on balls and you know, bunt, you know, handling bunts and things like that. They're going to start talking about actually giving him a rehab assignment, and from there things get really, really interesting with how to handle the 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 rotation and kind of what Soroka's role is going to play in 2022. I'm very, very happy when we won't have to see him trying to run the bases because every time he would put the ball in play, it would terrify me. But, Scott, what are your – I mean, I know that you and I are just thrilled just to hear good news about Mike because he's just had such a rough – when he's on the mound, he's just – he's so good and he's such a likable guy. I've known him for a long, long time. And, you know, just to see what he's had to battle through. And again, just dumb fluke injuries that that have hurt him so far early in his career. It's just nice to have some good news come out about him for a change. Yeah, good for Mike. I mean, you talk about something, just the mental hurdles of it. I'm sure, let alone the physical side of, of tearing your Achilles and surgery and rehab and all of that. But then to have to undergo everything again. I mean, what a, I mean, truly like traumatizing situation for him he seemed to be in really great spirits he was on the broadcast on friday night and um, i think it's just with mike coming back from this injury there's really no precedent for it historically it's just such a rare injury for pitchers and really baseball players in general Uh, so i think we have to have some guarded optimism but first and foremost just very very glad that Mike has been able to make a recovery. And I mean, you talk about a double Achilles tear. I mean, you, your first concern is being able to like walk and run normally, not just as a baseball player, but for the rest of your life. And thankfully Mike is young. It seems like he's doing well with his rehab and we'll see how he does whenever he goes down and starts to ramp up activities. But it was just a really encouraging note. Um, we'll see what kind of pitching he's able to provide the Braves. If he's able to pitch well this year, what a huge bonus that would be. But Ultimately, it's just a matter of getting him back on the mound is is an achievement in itself. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's just kind of it was such a weird scenario where he gets he me hurts he pops his Achilles, which we've seen happen. Uh, we saw that happen with Jason Grilly uh, a few years ago when he was you know on the mound for the Braves. And you know the first the first injury that's a fluke thing. And but then he has like his body rejects the stitches and then his first day out of the boot walking into the clubhouse, his Achilles goes again. And you you wonder if maybe his body rejecting the stitches ultimately resulted in that first repair not really sticking. But any doctor will tell you that the first ligament tear isn't isn't that big a deal because they can reattach it. And, you know, there's a little bit of give. But every time you make a repair to a tendon, you lose a little bit of it. And you don't, it's a finite amount. At some point, you are no longer able to walk the same way. You are no longer able to function the same way. And with two Achilles tears, it's just, it's scary. And hopefully that, you know, it's, I mean, I don't, I think the Braves are being super, super cautious with him. I think that there's no one on planet Earth that is going to do exactly what all his doctors are telling him, plus more to get healthy again than Mike. But it's, you know, he has a long he it's going to be a long road for him uh between finishing out this rehab process and then going through his rehab assignment i just want to see him back on the mound again and we we can talk into some kind of you know what he will bring to a roster potentially and how to work out all that roster stuff 
once the time comes. But for right now, we just kind of want to see him back on the mound because uh, it goes without saying that I love Mike and a lot of Braves fans love Mike. So it's really going to be kind of an exciting time to see him come back. Uh, we do have some topics from this last week. If you're wanting to make sure you get caught up on specific games uh, from this week, make sure you listen to the Jerry Hammond podcast hosted by the great Sean Coleman. During the week, he's kind of our daily, he does our daily podcast where you can kind of get caught up on the ins and outs of each of the games. But we kind of do more broad strokes on this particular podcast. We will talk a little bit about this games, this past, the last couple games this week, uh, this weekend, because the Daily Hammer doesn't run on the weekends. But the Braves did split the series against the Phillies, uh, two and two. Uh, a couple frustrating games there. One, um, again, Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler are very good at pitching, and those were kind of the two broad strokes from the, the those losses. But, again, some pretty frustrating ways in which the offense produced there. And then the Braves were triumphant in their series over the Marlins. They actually did get another series win, uh, two games to one. Yesterday, uh, bit of a frustrating game, but really only frustrating in the sense that they went against the 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 monster that got him twice this week in uh, recently in Sandy Alcantara and who was ridiculous yesterday didn't seem like they were going to touch him and you know a couple poor uh poor choices in terms of what pitches to throw to certain guys Garrett Cooper just being basically Babe Ruth against the Braves but overall really really strong week and then today Braves win six to three to win the series a bunch of home runs got hit uh, Marcelo Zuna got two home runs today. Austin Homers has thir- homered in three of the last four games, I think. That sounds right. Uh, Ozzy and Olsen were also really, really good with a, a bunch with some doubles to kind of get keep things going. Uh, Scott, do you have any notes you kind of want to share from kind of those last couple games against the Marlins? Because overall, four and three week, it's hard to complain about that. Yeah, you, you talk about a four and three week. They were at home, which was nice. And you talk about the Braves have run into some really good high end starting pitching. I mean, you mentioned Sandy Alcantara, who, I mean, he, nobody was hitting him yesterday. There, there was nothing they could really do. And then, uh, they lost the two games to the Phillies against Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola, who was very, very good. Um, there's no shame in losing to those guys. And then they took advantage against the, the lesser starters on Tuesday and Wednesday, which is, uh, what they need to do. And I think, Overall, the lineup had a really nice week considering the, the pitching they faced. Uh, Sunday in particular, they, I mean, Austin Riley is out of his funk. He was really slumping for a couple of weeks there, but you mentioned the three of four homers, uh, over the, over the weekend. And then, uh, Dansby Swanson has been hitting everything. We know how good Dansby yep. is when he's, <laughs> the I heater mean, is on. The heater is on, man. He, when he is feeling good, he is just I mean, every night, it's seemingly two or three hits. He's hitting for power. Uh, he stole two bases on Sunday. He's going to pass his career high in steals within the next week or two. He's already at eight. His career best number is 10. Um, and then you, know, you talk about Matt Olson, and he is somebody who got off to just an unbelievable start with the Braves. And then all of a sudden, he had a, a fairly rough month of May, although he has picked it up a bit to improve his monthly numbers. But if you can get these guys going, we know how much talent is there with the lineup. I think that's why, even on the fr- most frustrating of losses for this team, you just look at the lineup and the pitching staff and you go, there's too much talent here for this team to continue losing games all summer. Hopefully, as the schedule lightens up over these next couple of weeks, uh, if the lineup's going to get going and you hopefully solidify the back end of your rotation with Spencer Strider, the guys at the top continue to pitch fairly well, and hopefully someone like Charlie Morton, who did not have a great start earlier this week, continues to, I think, take steps in the right direction. Um, 
you know, the, the, again, there's just so much talent and so much to like with this team. It's it's just a matter of trying to get everything rolling in the right direction, and, and they have a favorable schedule coming up to hopefully do that. Yeah, having guys like Ozzy and Olsen kind of coming around. Ozzy had some really good at-bats today as well. Uh, that that 13-pitch at-bat or whatever it was was really, really good and helped them. I mean, probably against the wrong guy because I think I would have preferred that pitcher to be in longer because the Braves were really teeing off on him. Marcelo Zuna seemed to particularly enjoy playing against him. But you, you mentioned Matt Olsen's start to the season, Scott, and that's an important one because he certainly – it was certainly not passing the eye test. It was a lot of, you know, driven by walks and one for four type games and not, again, not the most exciting, but Scott, did, if you look at his line and you project it out, did you realize that Matt Olson is on pace to set the single season all time doubles record? No, I, I did not realize that. The, 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 the record is currently 67, uh, set in the 1930s. Uh, I believe, I believe it was Earl Weaver. Can't remember for sure. Uh, the, he is on pace for 68. So for a guy who has not hit his stride yet, it's very clear of that. He's not like, especially the power numbers, the home run numbers. We like, he is not hitting the ball out like we thought he was going to quite yet. He's hitting some, but not a lot. And historically, he's not been a particularly great hitter in May. But for a guy who has not really hit his stride yet and still being on a pace like that, I think he, the short answer is I'm not super worried about Matt Olson. Uh, yeah. And it's nice to see that the the entire offense seems to be rounding out nicely. And who knows, if Michael Harris starts getting things going uh, and can hit like he was in double-A, this could get really fun really fast uh, with as the lineup turns over and not having to worry about guys like, you know, Mike Fulton, which, you know, hitting and things like that, that those <laughs> types of situations. Uh, the, the old, the old faulty black hole in the, in the lineup. Uh, it was always fun watching him hit. It was always at least a very short experience. Um, yeah. So, Scott, let's look ahead a little bit. Uh, with the Braves have seven games this week. Uh, we have they're heading out west. They're going first for three games at your Arizona Diamondbacks, where you will be attending at least one of those games, possibly more. Our West Coast correspondent Scott Coleman, and then after that, we're gonna have a four-game set at the Colorado Rockies. At first glance, Scott, these are not particularly good teams. Uh, the Diamondbacks have pitched surprisingly well this year, but beyond that, that's not an offense that's particularly concerning, and it seems like the Braves pitching staff should, in theory, be able to handle them. And then the Colorado Rockies, I mean, it, it's course Field, so a lot of weird things can happen there. But if we're talking about a, a place where power is going to play up, you seem to have to really like what the Braves are going to do, because one thing's for sure is that what this team can do is hit home runs. So what are you kind of expecting from this week? And, you know, what do the Braves really need to do to accomplish? Because ultimately, like, this stretch of games, both this past week, which was good, getting the four and three week, and then these next couple weeks, which is against some pretty soft competition, are really important. Yeah, they are. And the Diamondbacks kind of quietly and under the radar last year lost like 107 games or something like that. I mean, they're off to a yeah, decent they're real bad. They were. And they're off to a decent start this season. They have a couple of pitchers who are throwing well. Um, you know, as of recording this, they're down to the Dodgers. They're going to be 23 and 26. Uh, so they're better than I think expected, though it is still, you know, in the eyes of baseball fairly early. I, of course, don't expect them to be in the mix all summer long. Um, and then the Colorado Rockies got off to a nice start, but they are really slumping. They just lost three out of four to the Washington Nationals, three and seven over yeah. their last ten. Yeah, so um, it's an opportunity for the Braves to go out west and, and hopefully uh, continue to build off the good things they did these past couple of weeks. 
Um, we'll see how certainly all eyes on Monday night with Spencer Strider on the mound and presumably him making another start in course field will be fun with the velocity that he has in that gigantic ballpark. But, um, really the schedule as a whole is as favorable as it gets over the next couple of weeks. You have, uh, you had the Marlins this weekend, not a particularly good team. You have the Diamondbacks and the Rockies, even if it is a road trip on the West coast, then you have an off day, but then you come back home. You have two games against the Oakland Athletics, who will probably lose 100 games this year. You have four games at home with the Pittsburgh Pirates, who have been just an abomination for years now. Um, then you go on the road, you play the Nationals for three, and then you go play the Cubs for three in Wrigley. Uh, that's about as easy of a schedule as a team is going to have this season. So you hope that as the Braves are hitting their groove or continue to build off those things they did well this weekend, uh, if you're looking for an opportunity to make a push in the standings and finally get back over 500, finally win three games in a row, which is kind of crazy they haven't done that yet, uh, the schedule is ripe for the taking, and, and here's hoping uh, the podcast curse did not just jinx the team. And, and now, of course, naturally, because we're saying all these things, they will have a bad week and everybody gets to yell at us. Now, see, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go for the full-on reverse jinx. I'm going to say the Braves are going to go two and five uh, to start the week, and it's going to be really, really bad. Come on, there one time, go. one time. Yeah, uh, good call. Uh, yeah, so uh, look, we've, we've been complaining about the Braves for a long time, and what Brian, manager Brian Snicker does, and they won a World Series last year. So I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be convinced that there's act, an actual podcast curse. If I'm just being honest about it, I mean, we've been doing this podcast for a while now. Since 2018, they've been winning the division every year. So I'm just saying that from a, a macro perspective, it's pretty good, a pretty nice thing to have the Battery Power podcast in existence. Uh, I tend to agree. I think that it's going to be a, a good week for the Braves. I think that they'll perform reasonably well. I think that a five and two week would just be huge for this team. Uh, they've won three of their last four games now. Uh, again, it's, it's relatively soft competition. Obviously, traveling out west is never a particularly easy thing, and especially in Colorado, a lot of weird things can happen out there, but that's a team that is certainly struggling both with injuries as well as just kind of the, the grand sell-off slash complete inept front office that they have out there that – it, it would be a bit surprising if the Braves didn't perform well. And again, this is a team that, if you're looking for a team that is basically built to play in Coors Field, I think that the Braves would be, with, of all the properties in playing in Coors Field, but with actually having fans there, um, uh, that the, the Braves would love to have the attributes of Coors Field with this roster because it's a team that can hit a lot of home runs. So I think it could be a really good week. Again, a five and two week would go a long, long way towards kind of helping them catch up. Do you want more than that? Absolutely. We would, a 7-0 sweep would be amazing, but you know, it's hard. Baseball is just such a hard sport and it's hard to expect that sort of run. But it seems like that this, if you're looking for stretch of games these next few weeks, if the Braves don't, at the end of it, don't have a three game winning streak somewhere in there, things have gone awry and you are, you have my permission to panic because the schedule is going to get a lot harder after this stretch. Yeah. Well, and historically, as we know, and last year is so, fresh in everyone's minds and and we don't need to remind everyone how poorly they started last year before turning it on in the end of July, early August. And let's hope it doesn't take another two full months before this team starts to figure things out. But that I, I think back to that 2019 baseball team that uh, won 97 games, uh, they were 18 and 20 around Memorial Day. And Memorial Day was a little bit earlier that year, but 18 and 20 towards the end of May and then got red hot and Ended up winning 97 games and, and won the division. Let's hope that 
This is a team that just starts out a little bit slow out of the gates, even if the players have changed a little bit from year to year. Uh, this is just a, a ripe opportunity to win some games and, uh, and hopefully, like you said, I mean, the Mets continue to win. The Mets look legitimately good, uh, despite losing Jacob deGrom for probably the first half of the year and Max Scherzer is now hurt. Uh, the Mets just keep chugging along and I think this is as good of a team as they've had. Uh, we'll see if the Philadelphia Phillies can ever get out of their own way and start to win some games. Uh, though my confidence on that is not super high. Um, but again, you just you just don't want to give the Mets too much more of a of a lead in the division. If you can chop down that uh, division deficit over the next couple of weeks, all the better. Yeah, the Phillies are going to have to learn how to catch the ball before they can get out of their own way. And if anything, what the last five years has taught us is that they do not know how to assemble a roster that can play defense at all. And it seems like they went out of their way this past offseason to make sure that they couldn't do that. So overall, uh, I'm not particularly worried about the Phillies, but your note about the Mets are a good one. That's actually a really good team, and the Braves really need to start putting together some real runs here so that way they can get at least within striking defense of the Mets and make those series against the Mets matter all that much more well scott that's pretty much all we've got for this week is there anything else you want to share with our listeners before we let them go no thank you everybody for listening as always we really do appreciate it hope uh hope we made you proud brad on your vacation uh hopefully you're back uh here soon but don't have too much fun without us yeah, if he had too much fun, he's probably in a holding cell in a casino somewhere or, you know, something like that. Uh, we, we do miss you, Bradley. He will be back next week. Uh, at least I hope so, assuming that he is able to be extradited to the state of Georgia again. Thank you all so much for all the support of the podcast. If you want to make sure you never miss a single episode of this podcast, all you need to do is your, go to your preferred podcast purveyor and search battery power. You will find this stream, which will not only have this flagship hosted most of the time by Brad Roland and co-hosted by either Scott or I, I would say the vast majority of the time. Most of the time it's going to be Brad. Every once in a while, Brad makes a mistake and goes out of town and leaves us us two to our own devices, which, you know, I think we behaved reasonably well this week, by the way, Scott. I just want to go ahead and throw yeah. it out there. I think, I think we, so. deserve, we, we deserve a little bit of credit for that. Uh, it certainly wasn't as uh, hilarious as us live commentating the game that was not over yet. Uh, which turned into kind of one of those all-timer podcasts that you were uh, that you were lead host on that was fairly hysterical. Uh, but not only do you get this podcast, you also get the Road to Atlanta podcast, which is our minor league show hosted by me every uh, it is posted every Monday night onto the stream. It is hosted by myself as well as Garrett Spain. You may follow him over on Twitter at Braves MILB. The Daily Hammer is our third show, which again are kind of our our daily update type show hosted by the great Sean Coleman. Thank you all so much for all the support both on the site and on the podcast. You guys have been great. Make sure you let friends know. Keep telling your friends about the podcast. Make sure you leave a five-star review. Tell friends, download old episodes. All those things help us out a whole lot. We'll see you next time.